I'm your host, Dave Gerber. Welcome to Beyond Corona. We are back with Beyond Corona, and I'm your host, Dave Gerber. Real world, real life, professional and personal skills that matter to how we feel, how we interact with others, and the ability to make it happen. That's what this next segment of the show is all about. Learning and taking action. So let's talk about skills and things we can do to level up. Yes, the stuff we don't want to think about but need to hear anyway. The tough stuff, the stuff we need to do to make ourselves better. But have to really motivate ourselves to do it or want to look at it. Today's life, personal and professional skill to consider is the subject of shame. You know, how it fits into your own life. How it fits into the lives of the people around you. How maybe it's often used as a really bad tool. You might know that personally. Shame impacts everyone at some level, whether they carry it all the time or experience it in a quick moment, either dealt with or repressed. It's an obstacle to our growth, love of self, and ability to move forward in our lives sometimes. Often it's experienced in relationships by one or both people on their own or because of one another. And this can be different. Emil M. Curran said, If our fellow men and women could be aware of our opinions about them, love, friendship, and devotion would be forever erased from the dictionaries. And if we had the courage to confront the doubts we timidly conceive about ourselves, none of us would utter an I without shame. So what is shame? You know, what's shame all about? Shame, which is a tough subject that most people don't talk about and you don't hear about on podcasts and other places, but I think it's important It's about feelings of embarrassment, blame, responsibility for negative circumstances that maybe have befallen yourself or other people. It's about feelings of regret for your real or imagined misdeeds, both past and present. Your sense of remorse for those thoughts, feelings, or attitudes that were or are negative, uncomplimentary, or non-accepting concerning yourself or others. The feelings of obligation for not pleasing, not helping, or not placating another. Sort of the feelings of bewilderment and lack of balance for not responding to a situation in the quote-unquote correct way. You know, remember a red light that turned green and we didn't step on the gas pedal fast enough? Honk. You know, some people feel shame. Oops, sorry, I should have gone. I'm sorry. Shame results when we instantly judge ourselves. There are many causes of shame, and we often allow it to become a major obstacle in our lives. Shame can result from a fear of rejection or depression or irrational beliefs, a denial of past hurts, victimization, or even the silent withdrawal of anger. Shame represents some of the deepest forms of vulnerability, insecurity, and fear of rejection. All things that people in marriages and in relationships experience. So how do we respond to shame? I guess it's different depending on who you are. People really respond differently, how much of it you feel, and if you've actually recognized some of the negative feelings that you have as shame being the source. Some of us isolate. Um, Shame results when we separate ourselves from others and withdraw from feelings or situations. Some are hostile to themselves. Masochistic behavior involves putting yourself down or some people will actually hurt themselves physically. Uh, Some people will try to escape, to do things to sidetrack themselves from realities that we face, either through 
denunciation, avoidance, or by using drugs and alcohol as a way to flee. Some people are hostile to others when it comes to shame, involving lashing out verbally or physically, maybe being outwardly confrontational, blaming the victim, or transforming their shame into something about the other person we can judge, criticize, or blame. Shame's tough stuff. Uh, it doesn't have to be this way. And here are a couple of thoughts on how to overcome it quickly. Uh, acknowledge root causes in your life before isolated situations happen. It's tough, but it's required. So the more we know about ourselves, the more we unpack our socialization, uh, peers, media, school, family, religion, the influences they had on us, the more we understand about ourselves, the easier it is to pick this stuff apart. Number two, when an accident happens in real time, notice the physical reaction we have to shame. We're going to have some kind of physiological change. Number three, recognize the role and breathe and slow down. Four, redefine the problem with the absence of shame. That is often something we throw on top of it. It doesn't even belong. You know, sometimes it's something that we're feeling in the now, which is triggering feelings from the past that we don't really have to deal with right now, but we're experiencing in the present. It's like we just add it on there. We don't need that old stuff messing with new stuff. Smile and just give back the problem. Not your monkeys. Just let it go. How do we do that, Mr. Smarty Pants? Okay, here's an example in real world. Um, maybe you practice it when you're feeling good so it's a little easier. But next time we find ourselves at a red light, using that same example, that switches to green and honk blares from behind us, try to remember the difference between reacting and responding. Try to remember that we have not made a mistake and we do not need to defend ourselves with words or actions. Simply try to smile, think about how the event will not impact your day other than to be seen as a reward to your inner self for not overreacting. And, you know, it's a sign of personal growth because you recognized it. Oh, easier said than done. Well, theory to practice. Think about it this way. One, recognize that you're daydreaming, which is acknowledging the root cause. Two, don't judge yourself. Recognize the role of shame. Three, understand that our timeline is different than others. They might be in a hurry. So we're sort of redefining the problem with the absence of shame. And four, give back the shame with a smile and a sincere wave of apology. And I don't mean give them the one-fingered salute or tell them how many friends they have. No flying fingers. Just wave because it's all good. Winston Churchill once said, history is the only car without a reverse. To that I say, what's done is done. We can make a new future based upon the lessons of our past. And shame is not going to be a part of it. The time to level in and level up is now. So on that note, maybe related but still different, let's switch gears and take the time for the daily listener question. I have questions right now from many states and beyond. Send me your questions, please. Let's get them answered. Let's get them on the show. Today's question looks like a powerful one for sure. In the spirit of our relationships discussion earlier, I thought we could all benefit from this one. Question. What variables should we consider when dealing with conflict and communication with our partners, future partners, maybe even housemates or colleagues? Wow, that's a big question. It's a great question. The more we understand the variables of something, the things that can change and can have an impact on the success of our conversations or dealing with others, the better. 
all the more reason to get better at dealing with ambiguity, surprises, and the sort of, I don't know, micro and macro challenges that come with relationships that are good, not sort of necessarily in a state of conflict. We can't get better at conflict management skills the same day the conflict smacks us in the face. So now is a good time to get better at understanding these variables at getting better at solving conflicts. Many variables come into play in a conflict situation. And I'll give you a partial list, something to think about. You might have to rewind and look at it, but be patient. I'm going to read it slowly. I want the words to resonate because these are important variables that happen in conflict situations. And, and you'll realize when you hear these words why it's so difficult to deal with and how I, most people don't like conflict. I mean, I would ask people in training sessions, all right, raise your hand if you like conflict. You wouldn't see too many hands go up. I'd say, put your hands up. It's a growth industry, right? You get a little chuckle. It's everywhere. So these variables and understanding them are important. And you're listening, thinking about how these variables might actually be impacting you or any conflicts you're dealing with or in a relationship in the house, all that stuff. So let some of the words go by and just grab the ones that work for you and what you're dealing with now. So some of the variables that impact our ability to effectively communicate, perception, prejudice, people's socialization. As I said, that's the impact of what has been done to us. Usually repeated messages from peers, family, media, school, and religion variables to communicating our, our values fear anger control guilt people's different personality types people's different opinions their traditions each person has their own definition of conflict which makes them feel a certain way race ethnicity physiology social class and you're getting the picture here Levels of education, multiple intelligences, learning styles, diversity, many more. These variables are what I call sort of the ingredients to life's conflict recipes. And they don't often feel good. They're often repressed and definitely not widely discussed or taught. It's often only an illusion that communication has taken place and has been effective, often because of these variables. The key is to try and limit the role of these variables, you know, doing what we can to keep it simple, clear, needs-based, actions-based, care-based. Communication, like the other variables shared, is, is very fragile. Communication involves elements of distance and time and space and perceptions and realities for those who are trying to understand one another. Communication can have inadvertent sub-messages that are perceived to be attached to the receiver's primary message. For instance, a message could read like, I like women. Yet the sender could really mean he or she only likes a certain type of woman without being specific. Or the receiver could imprint that same sub-message or a different one based upon the elements listed above. The ones I talked about. The variables that are impacting someone when they're listening to someone else. An individual can also be upset with how the message was sent i.e. in-person, email, regular mail, journal, over the phone, fax. Both the content and the method or the form of delivery method can ultimately lead to both internal and external conflict. In essence, we truly encrypt our messages in our own personal version of the, in this case, English language. Deborah Tannen of Georgetown, 
Gohoyas, talks about coding and decoding our messages. This encryption consists of two principles. One, the actual word selected, tone and nonverbals, assuming the communication is face-to-face. And two, the media, as I said before, if it's not in person, how is it delivered? The recipient of our communication now has to decipher our message for content and meaning and will examine the method in which it was sent. For example, some people like to hear, I love you, but hate it if it's only stated in an email. Or what if someone received a diamond ring? They might say, oh, that person loves me. Essentially, two people are volleying little packages of communication back and forth. Either may have a problem with the message or the type of package they receive, and they decode it using their own language. Because we all speak our own version of the language, whatever formal language you speak, you have your own version. Particularly in the context of conflict or difficult situations, things are fragile. Remember, Communication goes well beyond what we say, and most studies on communication indicate that nonverbal behavior, tone, and voice inflection play an extremely large role in the dialogue, sometimes as much or more than the actual words. In fact, most of the time, you might have been through a management class where you heard the statistics 55, 38, and 7. You're talking about 55% is the visual or body language, 38, the vocal or the tone of voice, and verbal, only 7%. That's right, only 7% of the words we choose. Everything else is body language and tone of voice. And now you also know why emails and text are always misinterpreted. Conflict's not born. It's constructed and developed in a moment's notice or over a longer period of time. We can start to get better at preventing, managing, and resolving communication conflicts and others when we better understand how difficult the subject can be, all the different variables that can impact our success, and then we can make a fluid plan that incorporates the interests of others. If you're looking for some good books to read, today's offerings go back to relationships, like I talked about at the beginning of the show or Part A. They're easy ones. They can change your life, and I'm not pushing my books on you yet. Wink, wink. Check out the following, which are on the Beyond Corona book list. Very valuable in the progression of our journey. Number one, Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. Number two, The Miracle of Mindness by Taknak Khan. And number three, Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Whether you're an avid reader or don't really like to read, I'm sure these will both entertain you and provide value for your personal, spiritual, and professional growth now and into the future. These books definitely flow and keep it moving. And remember, even if you skim these suckers, you're going to grow. Or if you're looking for a new religion, consider what George Carlin mentioned, Frisbeetarianism, which is the belief that when you die, your soul goes up on the roof and gets stuck. (laughs) Rather, Carlin's book called Brain Droppings is much better as an entertainment source than a new book of God. Check them all out. I recommend them. You know... Nick Hornby said, we need a romantic illusion to embark on relationships in the first place. After that, they survive or fail for other, more practical reasons. The subject of relationships is obviously the topic of our top 10. The episode has two versions, one for the married and one committed in isolation, and uh, the rest is for single people still thinking about wanting to be in a relationship when life gets back to normal, whatever that means, right? I think safe sex is now going to involve hand sanitizer, a mask, and rubber gloves. Oh, wait. You can't find them anywhere. 
next plan. The other top 10 is for those who are in between who would like to be in a relationship and not married. Draw upon both lists to move forward together or not. Remember, this may be a good time to let a bad relationship go. And if you're trying to do that while living together, that's going to take some good boundary discussions in order to do it in a healthy way. And it can be done if both people are interested. If there are kids in the mix, that's a whole different story for a whole different episode. But here we go. The first one, top 10 things to consider in your existing marriage or relationship with whom you are now experiencing isolation together. Number 10, you must have a joint list of things to do, i.e. chores, kids, relationship-related, house, and things each can do separately to serve themselves and others in the house. Consider again the value of expectations. I've talked about that in the first show. I'm going to talk about it all the time. It just always comes back up. Now these need to be created or added to for life in quarantine or self-isolation, I should say. Think about how clarity can improve your relationship. Number nine, employ the stop, start, continue model to your relationship. What do you need to start that you're not? What do you need to stop doing that you're doing that's not working? And what do you want to continue doing because you found that it works? It's a good way to do a little inventory. Number eight, revisit the subject of intimacy after understanding what your expectations are. Expectation conflicts around all things are huge, especially intimacy. Someone once said that when sex is not an issue, it's 10% of the relationship. And when it is an issue, that number bumps to 90%. Figure that out. Number seven, investigate the places where communication seems to be lacking. Is it when you talk about finances, politics, money, the kids, if you want kids? Whatever it is, establish ground rules if needed to ensure that you can actually get through to the meat of the subject and not burn each other up in the meantime. Number six, Remember to agree to disagree, as a lot of things may come up that you didn't consider, and the fact that you're separate people means you have different thoughts, feelings, and solutions to certain issues. Number five, don't make waves over anything that's not truly important to you. Not worth it, and definitely watch the environment of where you hash it out. No kids around for sure. Make sure it's a nice, quiet, safe environment to talk, like I mentioned earlier. Number four, remember that most people thrive on respect, recognition, validation, trust, honesty, and are crushed, hurt, or feel crappy when they experience judgment. Number three, watch your mouth. You always, but, should, okay, sure, fine, whatever. These words do not work and usually create more conflict. Be sure to breathe and pause rather than say something you might regret. I like the WAIT acronym. Why am I talking? Think about ways to demonstrate care, sincerity, appreciation, compassion, and understanding. You may be doing better than your partner at this time. If you're having a difficult conversation, you can call time out and you can revisit it if you need to. And number one, remember not to have serious or difficult conversations if you've been drinking or other. This never goes well and after two drinks, for many people, it turns into truth serum. Not always a good thing to let the mouth run on alcohol fumes. Be careful. All right, and now for those of you who are not but are considering a relationship in the future, 10 things to consider if you're considering a relationship beyond our corona isolation period. Number 10, get your head, heart, spirit, deep-seated issues, challenges, obstacles out of the way or in check. Get a handle on what makes us tick as individuals. 
How can you be better for yourself if you were single forever? And how can you be better yourself? So if that when you find that someone you want to be in a relationship with, you are the better version of yourself than you were before this isolation time. Number nine, you need to know your own love languages, Myers-Briggs type, and conflict styles. You need to unpack who you are so that you can articulate to others how you are hardwired and spend less time looking for the wrong person. Number eight, fix your social media dating profiles. You got to fix the social media dating profiles. They're terrible for the most part and often work to paint a negative picture of who you are and what you would be like to be with. I can help you with this one. Just DM me. But for now, if you're giving people the finger, showing you have nine kids, nine pets, laying on a bed in the bathroom, you leave with pictures of your kids, and I suggest no kids on a dating site. We all know that most people above their 20s have kids, so keep them off as they probably don't want to be on there anyway. Don't demonstrate you have an obsession with a celebrity. Have pictures with someone that looks like they could be a partner, even if they're a friend or a cousin. All of these. Remove them immediately after the episode. Number seven, get clear on what you won't put up with and clear about what others won't put up with about you. Number six, create more positivity and optimism. Generate a positive energy with others on chats, internet, social media, and postings, all of it. Number five, remind yourself of how many people are miserable right now because they're in a relationship they don't want to be in and can't get out. Literally, decide what you are willing to give up and what you are willing to put up with. Four, Understand the totem pole principle. I call it the totem pole principle. And many others that lead to good people not committing. This is just one of them. If you think that telling someone that you're really busy, have two jobs, two kids, three hobbies that you love and can't change, pets, think about where this person would actually place you on the totem pole of importance. No one wants to know that the best they can do is fifth. Who wants to give up everything for that? Number two. Consider people beyond the 10-mile radius. We can't be lazy and have unrealistic expectations that our love of our life is going to be five minutes away. This isolation time hopefully got you to see that you can connect with people all over. If it was meant to be, you'll find that going out, talking all along it was meant to be, and maybe someday one person moves. Who knows? You can make it work. You just have to challenge what your expectations are and see if they're realistic. Number one. Radical one here, but a great one. Let the new person know what you don't do well at. Almost the worst parts of yourself early on, real early. If they don't like them, let them run away because there's no need to figure it out later. After it's too late that you both have been putting on the fake. Remember, when people get comfortable in a relationship, they let their emotional baggage, they let it fall out. They often gain weight. They get lazy. Or even for some, they let out their crazy. Find out way early it's a game changer if you have the courage to tell a person how you might not always be a peach and a bonus self-love and care how can we be the best version of ourselves work to grow into that so that we make ourselves more attractive and a better catch when the right person comes along without a real true understanding of how you operate how you're hardwired something will go wrong later it doesn't have to be that way oh and on the subject of ghosting I thought a Jennifer Aniston quote was appropriate. Quote, I think it's important to have closure in any relationship that ends, from a romantic relationship to a friendship. You should always have a sense of clarity at the end and know why it began and why it ended. You need that in your life to move cleanly into your next phase. End quote. So while friendship may be asking a lot, 
Skip the ghosting. Keep the integrity. And those are the double daily dose of top tens. Hope you like them, but more so, hope you can apply them to your life now and in the future. FYI, if you're single and looking to someday be in a relationship, please, please, please check out my book called Don't Learn the Hard Way, Pre-Marriage Questions to Ask Before You Get Divorced Again. If you are married, don't read the book. Please don't read the book. No need to kick up any dust around the stuff that has already been figured out by you two. If you're divorced, whoa, don't get into another relationship until you know the answers to dozens of questions that I share in that book. In fact, first free First three people, first three single people to send me an email about that, I'll send you an ebook version for free right away. And speaking again of books, Stephen Wright asks a funny question. What's another word for thesaurus? <laughs> That's a good one, right? But you didn't come up with one. For me, commercial plug, advertisement, all the same. They're just synonyms. I just need a quick moment to segue to that brief part of the show. Real brief, but in service of being a force for good, and I hope repeat listeners stay with us because I still have some good stuff to share with you on the other side of this mouthful. My goal remains to share as much as I can in the service of those who care, those who want to grow, and want to do it faster. I'm looking to be a part of the solution however possible, so if you're looking to hear more from me, check me out at Instagram under Beyond Corona, also under Conflict Healer. DM me as I would love to hear from you about topics you want me to include. Hit, hit, hit me up with the other gang of 20,000 on LinkedIn under Dave Gerber. Definitely sign up for the free newsletter. That's an extension of the show beyond Corona. Send me your email. I'll get you on that list. And I'll also include you in the list that we send out. It's, I send it out. It's a dynamic email blast to 17,000 like-minded people every week. Upcoming courses you would check out on thesynergyuniversity.com. What else? Hit me up with an email. Gerber at S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y-D-T dot com. I'd love to hear from you. Donations and sponsors would be helpful. We want to keep this show going to help promote some good people and some good organizations. My books on personal and workplace conflict, relationships, project management, divorce, and self-defense are found directly on Amazon. Hope they're helpful to you and your loved ones. If you have questions or comments, uh, interested in coaching, training, keynote speaking, let me know. Websites to check out DaveGerber.info and SynergyDT.com. You can email me directly. Anyway, back to the good stuff to close it out. Shakti Gawain once said, We avoid the things we're afraid of because we think there will be dire consequences if we confront them. But the truly dire consequences in our lives come from avoiding things that we need to learn about or discover. My final thoughts for today are this. It's about discovery. Discovery of the real you. Discovery of your values, your likes, details about new and old friends. It might be about discovering new hobbies, interests, or opportunities to nurture yourself for a change. It's about watching kids learn new things, challenging themselves to be better, often being good role models when they're not fighting or yelling and causing destruction, right? There are many people who are grinding away with no breaks and no opportunities to do anything other than the job at hand. Let's discover ways to help and support them. Let's discover and uncover some of what we don't like and make it into something we do. What will you discover today? Remember, our mental toughness is what we all need now, and sometimes we have to dig deep, deep, deep to find it. In this case, we might have to make it out of good, clean, thin, hopefully fresh air. You got this, and I know it. You know it. I'm your ally before, during, and after this BS, I mean virus, 
wishing every human on the planet a great day today and a better one tomorrow. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of this international podcast we call Beyond Corona, moving forward together because we're all in it to win it with one another. I love you. Be safe, be peaceful, and happy. Until next time, we are out of here.